0: There's something about committing to something and and discovering something more meaningful in that journey. And my advice has always been, if, if something seems like there's potential, the impact of doing something is so great, it's worth failing in the process, then go for it. And along the way, you might just discover that you're extremely passionate and there's an incredible opportunity.
1: That was our story. Welcome back to another edition of Be The Change Georgia brought to you by Be Local Georgia. I'm Nathan Stuck and I'm passionate about amplifying the voices of the amazing leaders surrounding the B Corp community in the Southeast who are showing how making a profit and making a difference aren't mutually exclusive ideas. Today, there are more than 4,000 B Corps across 75 countries and 150 industries unified by one common goal, transforming the global economy to benefit all people, communities and the planet. If you want to learn how to plug into our purpose-driven business community alongside the inspiring leaders we feature on this show, check us out at BelocalGeorgia.com, and we'll hope to meet you at our next event. Today, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Chris Chansey, the CEO of Amplio Recruiting, headquartered right here in Clarkston, Georgia. In this episode, you'll hear Chris talk about his own journey to finding purpose, how he's helping the refugee community find both purpose and dignity, and how he works with mission driven companies across industries to connect them with such a talented workforce. So without further ado, let's jump right into this episode with Chris Chansey. What do you wish everyone knew about your professional purpose and what ultimately drives your, say your professional and your personal why? We have a staffing agency
0: where we place refugees into jobs around the country. No one gets into the staffing business to make a lot of money. You you can't, right? And there are people who have. In fact, someone came up to me the other day and they're like, I heard you're in staffing. And uh, I've got a client who's in staffing and they um, they're paying me a lot of money to do this and that. I'm like, well, that's that's probably not how we're going to approach things, right? I, it, you don't get into this business if your professional why is to make a lot of money. The margins are, are are thin. But it's a great industry to be in if you want to have impact on people's lives. And so we're in this business because we get to engage with a lot of refugees who've come to the U.S. who are in a very vulnerable place and they need a job to Really be able to start again and be able to reestablish dignity they've lost on their journey and have a chance at a more stable future for them and their family. And so we get to engage with them, place them into a meaningful job, and have tremendous impact on the local economy because we're filling positions that would otherwise go unfilled. That that gets us out of bed in the morning. That keeps us moving, keeps us uh, churning to find the next best client that we can serve and place refugees with. And uh, I'm grateful that we get to do
1: that every day. That's so wonderful. And it's it just all comes from a place of service. And I think once you find that why, I think it helps us, you know, the old adage, you never work a day in your life if you're doing what you love. I find that a lot of people didn't know that they were going to love doing something. That why comes into your founding story, your founder's story, the story of Amplio. But share with our listeners like why in 2014, you were, you just moved to Clarkson you you found your passion but you, did you know you were going to be starting a staffing agency and how did this whole thing kind of evolve I, you know I, we get the chance to share our story here and there
0: and i think people always ask this thought of like have you always been passionate about this have you always been passionate about refugees the truth is in 2014 we launched this i was just really starting to understand what a refugee was i could definitely could not have told you before this the difference between an immigrant or a refugee or uh, any of the details of that process uh, it was all new to me, and I think what you said is so true there's something about committing to something and discovering something more meaningful in that journey and my advice has always been if if something seems like there's potential the impact of doing something is so great it's worth failing in the process, then go for it and along the way, you might just discover <laughs> that you're extremely passionate and there's an incredible opportunity that was our story, right like we got to this point where we move into Clarkston. It's called the most diverse square mile in the U.S. And we didn't know that at the time. Uh, my wife and I were just trying to find a house we could afford on the, the side of Atlanta to be close to family. And, and we end up buying a house in Clarkston right on the fringe of the Clarkston community and, and began to meet neighbors. Um, we, as we would run errands to the grocery store the post office, we're meeting people who obviously didn't grow up in the U.S., And, um, and slowly as we connect with these people and we hear their stories, um, the concept of an immigrant or a refugee went from this issue in the media and in the news that was, uh, you know, an arm's length away for me to being very personal because I met people, I knew their story, I knew their name and I knew, met their family. I saw where they were living and the kind of lifestyle they were leading and all of those connections and and conversations ended up with people asking me to help them find a job. And so there was this epiphany of saying, man, these are incredible people. They seem like they'd be incredibly diligent, highly motivated employees. And at the same time, lots of companies that are searching and trying to find good talent, even back in 2014, it's only gotten worse, you know, today, eight years later. So that was the period of time we said, it seems like a huge opportunity that we could have tremendous impact for this refugee community, not just here around the Atlanta Metro, but potentially across the country and maybe even across the world. And if we do this and we fail, I feel like it's worth it because we're going to learn a lot along the way. And so uh, we had failed at a few other businesses up to that point. And so we said, let's go all in. And, and uh, I'm glad we did. I'm glad we put our yes on the table and have made a, billion mistakes along the way, but thankfully none of them really kicked us out of business. And
1: and along the journey, we've been able to place thousands of refugees in jobs. As you've transitioned from people that you met here and there, like you're, you've grown outside of Clarkston. What's fundamentally changed for the business? And I know you hinted a little bit at the, whatever we want to call it, the great resignation, the great employee awakening. What's fundamentally changed over those eight years, both with the business and your industry as a whole?
0: Yeah you know, the one thing that hasn't changed is that labor is more of an acute need than it's ever been. And it's only gotten more and more desperate for companies to find people. But there's been a lot of other changes in terms of, you know, the business itself. Obviously, we've grown outside of Clarkson. We're operating in over 20 cities across the country. There's this dynamic shift uh, in terms of the individuals that we're serving. You know, in one season, it's people impacted by Ebola and you know people from Africa that are coming into the next season. It's the Syrian refugee crisis and now trying to care and support 70,000 Afghan refugees that came to the U.S. on military aircraft and are scattered on military bases across the country and trying to line up appropriate employment for those individuals. So there's those dynamic shifts in the people that we're serving. Um, and, then, and then, yeah, responding to you know, the the roller coaster that has been 2020 and 2021 for the manufacturing industry, for, for every industry and um, and the role that we can play in that, um, you know, and, and then overall, I think the biggest storyline for us has been in the past year, getting to a point in the business where um, we either go out and acquire other companies and continue to grow in that way, or we get acquired. And so um, we were acquired this past January and um, and and it's been a really really great integration of our focus and the, our mission and our, our work um, and the things that we do as a business and being that getting that seeing that folded into a larger corporation that has resources and and, and experience to offer but at the same time respected how deeply engaged we were in a specific mission and recognized, you can't just kind of pull that out. Like if you, if you pull that block, uh, that Jenga block out, the tower crumbles, right? Our, our book of business is financially valuable, but not without approaching that book of business with the individuals from the refugee workforce. So um, they have, have given us, you know, the full ability to, to pursue um, this, this effort um, with even more abandon. And, um, and, you know, that's been really exciting to see. I think for, for companies out there with a strong mission uh, focus and a strong like purpose-driven focus, there's the concern of like, I'll never be able to sell this company or what's your exit strategy. Right. And I think for us just recognizing we would never be open to selling unless we knew we had a company that would be able to, to only enhance what we were already doing. And that's been the case. So those stories exist and, uh, you know, grateful to be kind of living that out and, and continuing to determine
1: how we, how we do what we do and have greater impact. And it's, yeah, the B Corp certification, yes, it's a certification, but it's definitely baked into your DNA. I mean, even as you get acquired, because that is something I think a lot of B Corps think about is how do I, how do I not lose my baby? If, if we do get acquired, how do we not lose that? The the values we've lived by.
0: It's one thing to say, Hey, this is our mission. You know, internally we've settled on these values or or these things. Here's this, this third party kind of outside, uh, agency that has, has given us a very rigorous assessment and here's how we, where we fall on that assessment. And we do that annually. So as a, as a, as a company looking to acquire us, uh, these are the standards that we uphold, you know, and it's not just like we made these decisions and they can be changed. No, we, we, the, we are being measured by an outside, uh, force and accountability that you know, allows us to continue to uphold these things. Here's what we stand for, and uh, and so that was respected from day one, which I think is, you know, there's so many values to the whole, you know, the certification, but I think that's one of those that maybe is a is discussed on a, a less frequent basis, but that was really important for us to to be able to point to that and say this is where we stand, not just our own internal uh, measurement, and you know, let's just say it out loud, right? Like it's a lot easier for us as a service company. To get the certification that it is for some companies out there that are in manufacturing or other types of businesses, where it's extremely difficult based on the, you know, the products you use or the type of industry you're in, um, it's not easy for anybody. But it's a lot easier for us. And so, uh, to 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 get that certification and hold to those standards and expect that would remain the case no matter who came to to look at us was, uh, you know, was was something that we were really proud of
1: yeah and the and you touched on that you know that sometimes it is more difficult or you know it might not be feasible at the moment but you're working with all kinds of companies that probably are at least on that journey to getting better that are hiring you know from amplio that so they're staffing their businesses and they're running their businesses so there's some mission value mission based values within those companies what do you wish that more companies understood or the approach that maybe they could take to diversity, equity, inclusion, even in a manufacturing company, um, and not just necessarily, uh, I guess, well, with diversity, equity, inclusion, broad scope in mind, but also with the refugee workforce. We get contacted by, by companies, you know, every week,
0: right? They're reaching out and especially in a season like right now, desperate for employees. And it's it's at the point where it's fairly easy to tell those who, that's purely it. They're just desperate for employees versus those who they're desperate for employees, but they have a very strong culture and they have an environment that they've been investing in for years to create opportunities for those that would would give them a chance and would step on their team to realize, man, this is a place where I can thrive, I can flourish, I can be my full self. I can bring all that to the table. And so I think for companies that want to just flip a switch and say, Uh, All of a sudden, we don't have enough people, let's go get some more people, and it's a very transactional approach, and there's so many reasons why that might be the case. Uh, It's going to be hard to to fill those jobs, especially in a a time like it is right now, and keep people in the job, right? Whereas if you've been investing over the years, it's natural that um, you're going to come to a company like us, uh, like we just did this morning for a company in Georgia, um, that's kicking off a partnership with us. They said, hey, before we hire anybody on, we would love to do a training and just make sure that we understand some of the things that we need to be doing before anybody even shows up to make sure that this is successful. You would think that every company would ask for that, but unfortunately, a lot of them don't. Um, uh, another uh, national client we just kicked off with a few weeks ago, This the exact quote was, we want to roll out the red carpet for these guys. Now, I love that mentality. And that's unfortunately... Uh, somewhat unique. Um, Most often it's, we're going to throw these individuals into the same process. We throw every other person and expect them to come out of our onboarding and be, you know, a tenured employee with our company. And, and, you know, we're all different. We all come from different backgrounds and experiences. And if you're not making a little bit of investment to, to, to tailor your onboarding experience to people's specific backgrounds and cultures, you're probably going to miss out on what would be the long term engagement with that employee. We cover some pretty simple and maybe even obvious things um, to, to train companies and say, uh, maybe spend a little bit more time on your on your onboarding. You know, maybe recognize some of the uh, the ways that you can improve communication that's not just verbal. Uh, and we walk through a few steps to help companies think about uh, a different culture and how to engage them. But if you're willing to make that investment on the front end, it'll pay dividends in the long run
1: yeah and truly empathize with the process too and be able to to understand and and recognize that this is different but i I love those those examples because that's the to me those these are the businesses that will survive long term as as the world changes it becomes smaller uh these things become more valuable that no PR, no marketing firm, no branding agency can fix a bad onboarding process. They can't, you know, you can you can sure paint it nice in your recruitment ads, but you're still gonna have the same turnover you had before when they get there and they didn't get what was promised as they were brought in. So and I love that it's even trickled down to, you know, you think about, you know, the blue collar jobs of this country where we've we've somehow lost the respect or whatever you want to, whatever now, and it is, we've lost the respect, we've lost the dignity in a, you know, lunch pail job that, you know, my grandpa had for 40 years at the same factory. And so it's nice to see that that is coming back and that there's a value for the work and there's a value for the person doing the work. Yeah, that's
0: a great way to, to phrase it. I think it's easy to overlook that. The fact that the food on our plates, um, you know, uh, we, we joke in our office, we, we, we serve a company that makes toilets um we also serve a lot of food food service companies and so we say from you know from toilet to table like we're we're serving you know but but like it's so easy to just overlook the fact that you know all the things that we use on a daily basis someone is working in a very hard uh, job day in and day out to to be a part of producing that and some of it yeah it's overseas but a lot of it more and more is coming back to the, to the states and we need to have a labor force that can step into those jobs Um, not just because they're the lowest paying or because nobody else, but because they're good opportunities for career development and that those jobs can allow people to, to, to get established and to be stable. Everybody that we're we're engaging in our workforce, their number one desire is stability. And there's a lot of companies out there that can provide that. And it doesn't necessarily come in the form of 401k or, you know, certain time off or whatever. It's, it's, we have an environment that's welcoming where you can flourish and you can be established. And over time you can learn and grow and develop. And maybe that means you transition out and you, and you take on more uh, responsibility or leadership somewhere else, but maybe it means we see your value and we help you navigate a process to the point that you're in a position of leadership and we can all celebrate where you've come from
1: and what you've done. And ultimately it's good for business. So there's an ROI on, that nailing that first impression, nailing that onboarding, and then the, the the continuing employee engagement and retention aspect of it, that it's not that we're like, you know, tree hug. I mean, we kind of are tree hugging, saving the world, hopefully, but there's an element now too where we're making a business case. This is good business. Absolutely.
0: I mean, the, the number one hidden cost in any company is retention. And it's just no company knows how to, to, to kind of factor it up and say, here's how much it costs us. And you think about all the training that happens, you know, all the processes that you put in place and the back door is wide open and someone you know, starts and they leave. And, you know, it used to be that your competitors just paid a little bit more. And so you're training all your competitors employees. That's not really the case anymore. Everybody's willing to pay a little bit more if they can get people to stick around. But yeah, what are you doing um, to, to engage and keep that retention low because it does affect the bottom line It's maybe one of the biggest factors. So, you know, we can go into a company and say, how much does it cost that that forklift is sitting there empty and you've got it and it's in good working condition, but there's no one to drive it. You know, how much does it cost that you've got product that's sitting here on the warehouse floor uh, that could be out, but you know, it goes, it's every industry, right? It's, it's every industry. We've got, you know, positions we're filling in, you know, development positions we're filling for tech companies and, you know, positions, uh, you know, landscaping, the whole gamut, right? When you, when you've got work that other people have to take on. And so now they're overworked and, um, you know, less excited about the day-to-day engagement in their workplace. It affects everybody, right? So, um, you know, it definitely is a, is a bottom line factor. um, And one of those things that, you know, we can, we get to help, uh, you know, uh, push into on a regular basis. So, uh, we talk about economics. I mean, that is the discussion. It's not. It's not morality. It's not ethics. Uh, we love talking about those things. It's not even political. If we can just say, "Hey, the, the pure economics of the fact that we need we need dependable employees uh, to recruit and retain in your company," um, you know that 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 talks. Everybody's ready to listen.
1: That's beautiful. It's it's yeah. I mean, the world needs more people like you out there selling stakeholder capitalism too. Selling that, hey, we're doing it the right way. We're doing it in an inclusive way and it's it's great for business. So that leads me to my wild card question, which is which is the what is the one question? We talked about a lot today, but what is the one question that I did not ask you that you wished I had? I just want to tell a story. I feel like I haven't told a, a story of one of
0: our employees. Is that cool? If I just do yeah, that Yeah, absolutely. There's so many amazing stories. This one's kind of funny. So I'll share um a, a Georgia company uh, just started working with us back in January. We've got about seventy employees there now, and most of them are Afghan uh, refugees who recently uh, came to the U.S. And a lot of these guys, um, you know, speak decent English because they worked on U.S. military bases, and some of them don't. Right? Uh, this company has a math assessment before they can um, to join join the team and be hired. They have to pass a math assessment. So um, we had a group of seven, first group that was starting at the company. Um, one guy's name Abdul, who's, who's kind of the leader of this group of seven and doing a lot of the translation and things. And, and I said, Hey man, you got to take this math assessment. Everybody's got to pass for you to get a job. I'm going to try to work with the company to maybe overlook it. If you don't, And I can understand if you don't, it's all in English. There's some trend. There's a, uh, you got to go from uh, metric system to standard, you know, and it's, uh, you know, I probably couldn't pass it. So do your best. And, and I'm going to talk, talk to the company while you're taking. So they got in the other room to take the test they come out smiling and I said, how'd it go? How'd it go? He says, yeah, we all passed. And I'm like, how, how in the world did you pass that? And he goes, well, there's one thing that all Afghans are good at and I'm expecting him to say math and that, you know, that would, that would make sense. And, and uh, here I'm thinking like, we're going to have to go talk to the company. They're not going to pass. He says they passed. There's one thing that Afghans are good at. So what is that? He said, teamwork. It's so, uh, not, I didn't ask any other questions about what happens behind closed doors with the math assessment, but they are thriving um, in this company. And as I said, you know, we've got about 70 people there now. I'm not sure if anybody's filled that math test yet, <laughs> uh, um, but there's whether you call it teamwork or uh, just ingenuity, there's a, there's a hunger and a desire and a motivation from guys like Abdul who've served our country, uh, who served their own country in a respectful way and are now here and just trying to provide for their family. So grateful we get to be a part of the teamwork uh, and, um, you know, and the stories like that. And, and just, you know, want to continue to do that. Want to continue to find great companies that we can, we can get behind and and help them grow.
1: I love that story. I was, I was thinking you were like, Oh, math. Okay. Um, If people want to follow both Amplio and you personally on social media, um, how can we, how can we, where can we send people? Yeah, we're fairly active
0: on LinkedIn and, and uh, Instagram. Um, so at Amplio Recruiting or at Amplio Recruit, I think it is, is the handle. And, uh, and on LinkedIn, we try to be really engaging. We, we've we got um, resumes we'll share, especially of Afghan resume, uh, refugees who are professional and just, you know, looking for project management jobs or something like that. Sometimes we'll just share those and say, hey, LinkedIn, help us find a job for, you know, for, for this person. Um, let's see if we can all network together and help them out. So you know, would love people to
1: follow and and engage in some of those activities as we, as we continue to share them. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Always a pleasure. And always a, uh, we, you know, we, I don't even know if we had actually met the first time we had a meeting, but I'll forever be grateful since my first ever I'm like, we're going to start be local and we're going to have a meeting and, and you stepped up and we were in the back room at Amplio's Clarkson office and you brought in some catered food from, from one of the, uh, I think it was a one it was some somebody in the neighborhood it was a, a Syrian food I believe and it was some of the most delicious I it ruined sabra hummus for me I'll tell you that um it was some of the best food I've ever had but I'm still forever grateful for you hosting that night and kind of kickstarting be local Georgia and just being such a valuable member of our community, the global community, the refugee community, and just kind of leading by example.
0: I mean, our pleasure. Happy to host anybody who needs to taste some real hummus for the first time. And and, uh, yeah, grateful for you and your leadership and this movement. Grateful to be a part of it and look forward to continuing to just seeing companies on mission and, and see uh, you know people over profit and just be a part of it.
1: Well, that wraps up another edition of Be The Change Georgia. We're grateful, as always, for the opportunity to serve you with this content and grow this incredible community of purpose-driven B Corp leaders. If you haven't already, we would be grateful for you to rate this show wherever you get your podcast by simply tapping the number of stars you think it deserves and sharing it with a friend. This helps us get the word out and continue to use our collective influence as a force for good. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from our production team at Chat with Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening and now go be a leader worth following.